0: What's going on, everybody? I heard
1: they want the news. Well, we got it just for you. What's your team, your player, your crew? I heard they want the news. The spotlight is on you. And if you win the hot seat, it's times too I heard they want the know Come tune in to the crew But we got the hookup just like black and blue They want the news. Well, we got it just for you. your team your player your crew? I heard they want the news. The spotlight is on
0: you, and spotlight. if you.
2: Live from Las Vegas, the Snake Sports Talk Show with Jake Silva starts right now. All right, folks, it is a Saturday and we are live. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show. Wherever and however you may be watching and listening, it's a beautiful morning in the 702. We're live all around the world iHeartRadio, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Those are all the medias that you can like, follow, and subscribe to keep you up to date on future and past shows. We got so much in store for you here, all in this hour and half that we have. So much going on. And of course, postseason baseball is right now underway and it's been looking fabulous. Looks like those Phillies aren't really going down without a fight against the Atlanta Braves, and of course, uh the Cleveland Guardians and the Yankees their series is tied uh unfortunately right now the Padres are up on top two to one against the top uh against the Dodgers and then of course, um we've got the Mariners and the Astros. So every series has been great so far. um I can't complain and um plus two hockey season is back. So I'm excited for what, like, this is normally the best time around for sports. It really is. The NFL has never been better. Um, College football all today. And of course, I'll be introducing the first ever on the segment, which is my college football suite three. So three picks. I'm not doing all the college games because that's a buckload. So I got only three of my sweet picks. So sweet three will be introduced as well. And also prime predictions at the bottom half of the hour. So you do not want to end up missing that. So, um, you know, I I, I I was thinking about this, you know, just this past week. And especially, um, you know, watching the Thursday night game, because my goodness, everybody has just been giving up their two cents on exactly what has been happening on Thursday night football. It has not been great in at least two weeks straight. Here's what I will say from my reactions on the Thursday night football game, because first of all, it was all defense from there, but you're looking at two defensive coaches, Matt Eberflus and Ron Rivera. Okay. And what defensive coaches in the NFL has had a tendency to do. The only person who I think is the exception to this rule is uh, Sean McDermott because he has Josh Allen. Josh Allen's remarkable. He's strong. He's got a great arm, and he's got a lot of great casts all around him, but there are some tendencies that Buffalo has a problem doing, and that is running the football. They're not as physical when they're on the ground. So, um, But watching other defensive coaches and we know a lot of them that are up in the league you know robert sala thing about it is is that he's very hyper aggressive but the jets have some promising uh pieces from offense to defense as well and joe douglas has been fantastic in the last two drafts for the draft uh for the jets which i do kind of see an upset alert uh for the jets moving forward but besides that we don't even know if Ro- if Robert Sala is the right head coach, but he seems to be working it well. The Jets right now are on a winning record. And so far, Zach Wilson in that fourth quarter, when you watched it in last week's game, that was incredible. And so there are some promising factors. Brandon Staley of the Chargers, defensive coach. One thing you got to realize is, is that Justin Herbert, he has all the tangibles of being a franchise quarterback. And at the same time, there's some things that are kind of pulling him away. But that's the tendencies that defensive coaches have a problem with is that they pull too hard on the reins for some of their quarterbacks and then they can't even get the play design right. That's why you got to have the right offensive coordinator there on your side. Um, so one thing I will say about it because of how defensive that that game itself really was. Justin Fields needs help. There's no question and no doubt about it. He needs serious help. And the Bears, they had an opportunity to get themselves downfield and to get themselves at least a score very late of how the game was. And in the end, Chicago couldn't pull it off and Washington got the win. And I know that there's a lot of things that people don't really like so much about Chicago, which is obviously offense. People know that they're such a defensive team. That's been going on since 1950s and do you even know any offensive players that have come out of the Chicago Bears organization? Like, I've known several of them, okay? And they have whiffed on offense so much in their history that this is exactly the team that you would expect to see year after year after year. At least the offenses that I thought was decent, but they weren't like your quote-unquote historic players outside of someone named Mike Ditka. Okay, the players that I remember growing up that I thought were very decent offensive players, Bernard Berrien, Moussin Mohammed, Desmond Clark, uh, Greg Olson, Johnny Knox. And I know we had Alshon Jeffrey as well and Alan Robinson in those positions. But quarterback they've also whiffed on because several of the quarterbacks that have come in and out, you had Rex Grossman, you had Caleb Ainey, you had um, uh, you had Kyle Orton at one point. And then you had Jay Cutler and then all of a sudden, and then you change up different quarterbacks because Mitch Trubisky thing clearly was a reach at a number two pick. And then you got Justin Fields running backs, Cedric Benson, Adrian Peterson, the other one. Okay. And then Matt Forte was at the very least a very productive running back. And I used to love watching him play in Chicago. And here they are with David Montgomery. so. There has not been a single offensive player outside of Mike Ditka who has been historically great. We know about the long years of, of um, Walter Payton and Gail Sayers, but those are it. Those are running backs. All the rest of them, historic wide receivers, historic quarterbacks. The only one that you won a Super Bowl with was Jim McMahon, but all of that was all in a team effort, and they had a great defense. Most of the time, it was all guys like Perry and um, and Richard Dent and Mike Singletary. So this is the one thing that the Bears seriously have to pivot off of. But I will defend Matt Eberflus from what we saw from this week. I think he's a hell of a coach. Coming out of an Indianapolis Col- Colts organization who shaped up their defense and to be as top notch as they are, Eberflus can can definitely coach. I think I've got some real good faith in him. And the other part, you look at um, Luke Getzey, the offensive coordinator. I thought he was pretty clever on the playbook. There were several plays that were designed that were allowing Justin Fields to be able to run out of the pocket and then at the very least find his open targets. But the problem is the offensive line is young and old, and it kind of sucks. They need more players. They need a center. They need tackles. They need somebody to give Justin Fields a better protection in the pocket. Plus, outside of Darnell Mooney, who else is he throwing it to? He's not throwing it to Cole Comet. He's not throwing it to a lot of other receivers because they're young. These are guys that are like fifth-round, sixth-round talents. So, and Chicago next year has such a massive spending cap. If I were Chicago, I would be buying and drafting heavily on offense. Like no exceptions. You have several players, key players that are up there up on defense. And some of them that are actually growing within the system that are actually going to get better in the next two years. So you have plenty of time to really move around this whole defense, but they've got to get heavy on offense center, Tackles, draft a buckload of wide receivers and go and buy one because they can't really draft offensive players well. But at the very least, you buy a couple, you draft a couple to at the very least de- develop them under the system and get a second tight end. Because one of the things that Chicago, what they're going to lack in, and especially in a lopsided division like the NFC North, where It's Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Aren't you getting tired of hearing Aaron Rodgers just telling you, I own you every time that you guys play uh, the Packers twice a year? You know, and then you got Detroit, who's got the best offenses. And we all know that the defense is really atrocious, but they're trying to clean that up. And then you've got Minnesota, who they're coming off of a defensive coach, Mike Zimmer, with Kevin O'Connell. And the offense looks better, and Kirk Cousins looks happy. I mean, Chicago's got to get with the program. And that's why I like when I watch this game with two defensive coaches, this is why the league has pivoted to offense. You just watched that this Thursday. Everybody all were so pissed off and they all hated the last two Thursday night football games. I've said it. Like the best Thursday night football game that we got was the Chargers and the Chiefs. Because both of them were AFC West rivals and they both have dynamic quarterbacks that we're going to be seeing for at least a decade and a half in the same division. and But after all that, it's been atrocious play. And we all know after the Tua injury, things have started to change all in the middle of the season. But sometimes I kind of wish they needed to back off a little bit. Because first of all, that the injury is so apparent. It could happen at any point, but the smart thing that needs to happen is, is that it needs to come from the organization themselves and it needs to come from the coaching staff. You knew Tua was not prepared and he was not feeling 110%, but you threw him out in the field anyway. So that's why there's a lot of those concerns, but as far as all the rulings and all the rest of it in the NFL, some of them are fine. Why would we need to change them? Some of them I think need little bits and bits and pieces of tweaks here in the middle, but they're fine. But everybody has just been crushing about Thursday night football. And honestly, I would kind of think instead of making it Thursday nights where you're only getting three to four days rest, move it to where we maybe have a double header on Mondays. I'll be fine with that. I'll be fine with Monday night, double headers because that's what people want. And when football is on, of course, people are going to end up tuning into it. Like, how can you not? The NFL is king. They're great on marketing. They're great on media sources. So why not move it to Monday night where you have two double headers? It's, it works. <clears throat> and it guarantees the players' safeties, and it guarantees them um their health, especially when they're trying to prepare for their next matchups. Because you can't do that with three to four days' rest. Not always possible. I know it's quite a challenge, and that's why the NFL is so challenging. But you can't. There's no way. It's not that possible. So that's why I'm like, I defend the Bears. Because first of all, they found their head coach in Matt Eberflus, and they found their offensive coordinator in Lugetze. But Ryan Poles, the GM, the new GM, needs to spend massively on offense. You've got to make Justin Fields work. I don't know if he'll be able to overcome a lot of the ca- the chaos from Chicago. I know most of this, everybody, not even just Chicago fans, but football fans in general, they can't stand the McCaskies. I have a great content creator who's big on Chicago, and he tells me this all the time. It's all the McCaskies curse, and I know that. And everybody all around knows it. Like, we all kind of feel for Chicago, but this is why that they need to get on the same page. You look at a lot of big-time offenses all around in the league, and now you're 10 steps back. That's why I'm like, this next year with a massive money cap, you better be spending it heavy on offense. But I think they found their coach. I think they found their offensive coordinator. But it's about that time, and I'm waiting a year for Justin Fields to, at the very least, get an offense and something that will help with him. All right, Um. I I do want to focus on something that's not, you know, focusing more on the Thursday night football game, but I'm going to the other side with the Washington commanders because uh, look, a, a lot of people I've been on this subject for years and I've been on this subject for the last couple of seasons and it, it's hilarious as to how much that because they think that you know changing quarterbacks is really that easy. Go ask San Francisco. How's that worked out for them with Trey Lance trying to take over Jimmy Garoppolo's spot? Well, Trey Lance is out for the season, and now Jimmy, you know Jimmy G's back in under center, and San Francisco looks like a better team. Does that make it easy to to move off quarterbacks? You know, um, if you're thinking of smart organizations like the Chiefs when they transitioned from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes they made the play design specifically for their future in Patrick Mahomes that's it that's what they did and so a lot of people have been just heckling they've been criticizing and they've apparently in the NFL there's no room uh, at all um and no love for Carson Wentz It's sad and unfortunate, and here's what's crazy about this, because um, Ron Rivera came out and he ended up uh, going on to an interview, and they were taught they asked him a question which I thought was really really interesting, because um, because for one we know that it's a quarterback centric league, and um, and one of the things that I think what what really um. What's really crazy about that is, is that Carson Wentz, he's gone from Philadelphia to Indianapolis to Washington, and it just feels like that there is no love in the air for him, and they don't really respect him of a lot of the things that he is capable of doing when he's out on the field. And so Ron Rivera um, came out in one of the press conferences, and this is what he had to say about Carson Wentz, which I honestly... I'm just really surprised of, but this is also too what pur- proves my point about defensive coaches.
0: Why do you think the teams in the division are farther ahead at this point Quarterback chose the quarterback here, though? So do you have any regrets about that? Or how do you... No, I got no regrets about their quarterback. I think our quarterback has done some good things. There's a couple of games that he's... Why do you think... The
2: team... So, Ron Rivera... Throwing Carson Wentz under the bus because the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Eagles are all playing really good football. And look at their quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts seems to be getting better year after year. I don't think I don't know if Daniel Jones really works, but I know Brian Dable is using everything to what the offensive strengths are, and they're winning games. They found their head coach. I don't think they found their quarterback. And then you look at the Dallas situation with Cooper Rush in for Dak Prescott while he's got a broken hand. And so Carson Wentz, I've defended him for years. And this is ridiculous. But this also tells you a lot about certain defensive coaches. I mean, go look at Minnesota. Mike Zimmer, a defensive coach, could not get along with Kirk Cousins. And there were several occasions where he was pulling back on the reins and the offense couldn't even get, the you know, they couldn't even get the ball downfield. You have Adam Thielen, you have Justin Jefferson, you have at least a decent tight end, you have Dalvin Cook. What's the problem? You've got a, a, also a reshaping offensive line that looks better. And I know Kirk Cousins is not the best when it comes to um, when it comes to primetime games. I've already heard this spiel. I already have, but at the very least, you're getting something out of Kirk Cousins, and then still, if it doesn't work out, then go and draft a new quarterback. You know, it. it could you imagine, a you know, any veteran quarterback that would be a part of this offense? Could you imagine Jimmy Garoppolo in the middle of this offense it, with it being a re- redeveloping offensive line with a lot of this offensive talent? Like Minnesota would be in great shape. But right now, Kevin O'Connell definitely proves to me that he's a really good head coach. And he knows exactly what he's doing. So, and Kirk Cousins looks better. Minnesota is leading the division right now. So, and it looks a lot better. You couldn't do that with a defensive coach. Here's what's interesting. Okay, Brandon Staley of the Chargers. You know this is the year he has to get the Chargers into the playoffs. I know part of it, could be either his play schemes and his play calling. But at the same time, I also do think there's an issue with Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, because he's playing a lot of these dink and dunk plays, which that's not what Justin Herbert is. Justin Herbert clearly has the arm. He's clearly accurate. He's clearly strong and he's tough. And so you're playing to a lot of the strengths. Now, I know that there is some reshaping of offense that needs to happen because Keenan Allen's been hurt with with a hamstring. But the Chargers team, they spend a lot on defense. Defense doesn't look so good, but it's still good enough that's going to bail you out of games. But at the same time, it's like you need to have that ideal and perfect balance. And there's parts of it where I worry about the Chargers. But if they don't make the playoffs, Staley will be fired. And I'm pretty sure Joe Lombardi will be right up out the door as well. And this is where the Chargers would need to pivot to an offensive coach. And here's the funny thing. The Giants got several uh, coaches wrong at those points. And they found Brian Dable, offensive coordinator from Buffalo who shaped up Josh Allen, who made him the best version of himself as best as he possibly could. But now, even though he's a big boy and he withstands tackles and all the rest of it, Brian Dable designs plays. And you can tell from how the Giants have been playing, whether Kenny Galladay's playing or not, Daniel Jones is just who he is. And Saquon Barkley's actually been playing a lot better. So I think the Giants got a hit at head coach. And that's why they're winning games. So uh, Ron Rivera has a quarterback. Like, it's not that easy to go and getting yourself a quarterback. You're not just going to get a quarterback out of college that easily that is going to transition into the NFL and it's just going to be cake. It's not that possible. There are guys, I mean, could, you want to ask Mike Tomlin how easy that that is changing from Mitch Trubisky to Kenny Pickett? even though Kenny Pickett's got something. And this is right now week six. He went out into the Wolves against Buffalo and got his ass handed to, and that was the first ever start. I wasn't going to criticize Kenny Pickett for that. First of all, Buffalo is way too good of a team, and they're physical, and they're in your face. So I'm not going to criticize Kenny Pickett for that. But I think they do have a pretty decent matchup this week. And I've got all my prime predictions as well. But, you know, at the same time, I do think Kenny Pickett is the future for Pittsburgh. He's got a great arm. He's got, he's mobile. And he's somebody that I think could open up more of the offense as long as Mike Tomlin does trust all of his pieces. I mean, they've got the offensive weaponry to do so. Pittsburgh has always aced it. So, but for, for Carson Wentz, what people forget about is that, you recall the first year when he got uh, drafted in 2016 with Jared Goff, because the the few quarterbacks I'll name off that are not that easy to move away from, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Carson Wentz. Those are three. I may have one more that I don't, I haven't added, but those are three quarterbacks that are very difficult to move off of. First of all, Detroit is the best team right now with the most offensive points. That may be the best offense that they got right now because you've got Amonra St. Brown, you've got TJ Hawkinson, you've got um, DJ Chark and DeAndre Swift who are playing really, really good, and Jared Goff has been distributing the football to every single one of those, even though the defense sucks, but the offense is playing great. You want to move off Jared, uh, Jared Goff a year after that? It's not that easy. And if Jared Goff, if you don't feel comfortable with it, then draft the next big thing. There's plenty of them. Caleb Williams, you've got, you got Bryce Young, you've got C.J. Strout. You've got several other quarterbacks that could definitely fit in with this Detroit offense, as long as you groom them well. But I think Jared Goff is at least as good as you can get. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's won 70% of his games when he's under Kyle Shanahan. And on top of all that, Kyle Shanahan can't win without Jimmy Garoppolo. You've seen that with C.J. Beathard. You've seen that with Nick Mullins. You're seeing that with Trey Lance. So it's difficult to move off of that. And they got to a Super Bowl. They've been to several NFC championship uh, games. They got to a Super Bowl in one of them. You think that's easy to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo? Carson Wentz was also in that same boat. Not easy to move off of. because. It wasn't the contract thing. It was the fact that you had a mobile quarterback who also had an accurate arm, which people think he has accuracy issues. I think part of it is, yes, he is a reckless quarterback. And at times he can force himself to throw balls out of different directions. But at the same time, when you have a play design that's supposed to slow him down and make him a better quarterback, that's why he had Doug Peterson. That's why he had Frank Reich. You can't really do all of that with Ron Rivera. That's what's the difficult part. So to me, Carson Wentz is just as good as you can possibly get. And it's not like Washington has terrible offensive players. They got Jahan Dotson, that young kid from Penn State. You've also got Terry McLaurin, who you just re-signed. And you've got Brian Robinson, who's officially back. And I'm very glad. And I thought that was a touching moment for him. And um. Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick, you have a trio of running backs. And I think the offensive line does need to get better because they are suffering in some spots, but this was not built to be a terrible offense. I think Carson Wentz could definitely distribute the football, but the problem of it is when you have a defensive coach, they pull the reins too much. They have those tendencies, let them play to their strengths. This is why you're watching, too. Mike McDaniel, an offensive coordinating coach. He seems to be thriving with Miami. He's using every bit of Tua's strengths, regardless of size, regardless of him being a left-handed quarterback, but he's utilizing everything that he can do, and they're built for speed. That's why Miami is looking so good. They may need some help on defense, but they're looking at least decent. But people seem to forget and these are the people that forget about it. Philadelphia fans, at least some of them that heckle mostly, not the reasonable ones because I have a bunch of them, but the ones that kind of heckle, you know, when you go to a, down to a downtown Philadelphia bar. Okay, those people, no. Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts. Yeah, how's that working out with Matt Ryan, right? After Carson Wentz, went 27 touchdowns and seven picks. Like, he he's just as good as you can possibly get. I don't think he's a Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, but he's good enough. That's going to make you distribute the football more and make the offense work. I just am like, wow, I I, I can't believe it. And so for me, like I, I just feel so bad for Carson Wentz. Like to me, it feels like they're trying to compare him to a Jeff George type. No, I I, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. There's no way that Carson Wentz is literally even close to Jeff George. And we all know how that went down. Right. So um, because you forget, he had an MVP caliber year in 2017 before he got injured in the playoffs. And then that's when Nick Foles came in, which I do think that championship was a team win, not just one specific quarterback. Okay. And. A bottom-tier wide receiver core in Indianapolis with a really good offensive line and a great running back in Jonathan Taylor. And Carson Wentz went 27 touchdowns and 7 picks. And Jim Irsay wants to say that Carson was the problem. Yeah, how's that working out with Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan looks old. He looks brittle. It, they're not distributing the football well. And outside of Michael Pittman, there's nobody to throw to. So fix your wide receiving core. But for Washington, I think at some point they're going to have to pivot to offense because Chase Young, you know, is going to be their best edge rusher along with Montez Sweat and John Bostick is there. And you've got really good secondary play. So if you pivot to offense, you'll get the best out of Carson Wentz. I guarantee it. I love Ron Rivera, and I've always had great respects for him. But in a league that's pivoting into offense, it's so tough with defensive coaches. It really is. But That's why I'm like, I've defended Carson Wentz and I'll continue to defend Carson Wentz for as long as if he proves to me that honestly he is the issue. But I don't think he is. I just seriously think that people put out all these stories. And at the same time, they're throwing Carson Wentz under the bus for what? We all know that there's issues in the offensive line. I've watched it several times all throughout till week six. And I also know, too, that there's whiffs on defense. So, I mean, think about it. You you've done with Cam Newton. How'd that work out? <laughs> Cam Newton ran the football too much, and was playing too much physical ball, and that's why his his play started to regress. So, <laughs> Carson Wentz, I think, is just the closest thing to as good as you could possibly get it, at least with an accurate arm. So I don't want to hear it. I think Carson Wentz is fine, and I do think at times he can drive you nuts. But if he's giving you touchdowns, I mean, good God, he's got 10 touchdowns already, 10 touchdowns and six picks. Like he's got more touchdowns than, than interception. And I'll be perfectly fine with that. But if he goes up on a tear, if you had an offensive coach, and let's say that he got 25 to 30 touchdowns, if he goes on a tear, I don't want to hear it from any, any more of these hecklers. So yeah, Carson's fine. (sighs) Good stuff. So, um, yeah, right around the corner, um, just after we take, just after the break, um, I'll have my college football suite three. I really do like these. And we actually have a really, really good weekend. And we've also got a college football show that's also currently going on. You don't want to end up missing that. Um, plus, I'll have my prime predictions later on and give you exactly my thoughts of week six going into it. It's going to be awesome. I really do love it, and I enjoy it. So you don't want to miss that on the Snake Sports Talk Show. All right, folks. Well, um, so we've got a great, great partnership with SeatGeek. So Spotlight Sports Network now has a ticketing home for all of your favorite sporting events, live shows, concerts, and so much more. And that is SeatGeek. $20 off of your first purchase when you use Spotlight Sports Network as the promo code. You guys don't want to miss out on your favorite, on your favorite events. Don't lose your seat. Go to SeatGeek.com. Promo code Spotlight Sports Network. $20 off. You'll thank Jake the Snake for that. (laughs) Uh, SeatGeek.com, promo code Spotlight Sports Network. Don't lose your seat. Get your seat today with SeatGeek $20 off.
0: Bitch, I'm a ball, bitch, I'm a ball Don't get no ball, don't get no ball What's in my cup? what's in my cup? Get all that punch,
1: look that punch Bitch, I'm a ball, ballin' like Kobe Ho keep it movin' cause you do not know me Bitch, I'm a ball, ballin' like Kobe Ho keep it movin' cause you do not know me Bitch, I'm a ball, like I can't talk in Milwaukee Tell my dog sick of me, I do no barkin'. Pass me some greens, you know I'ma spark it Mama got ass sold at the archers. Pull up at the spot, hop out and don't park it They do no say, always keep
0: one in the cartridge Showin'
1: your papers so we can
0: from the swamp to visit
1: the out the what's going on everybody proud to announce the spotlight sports Network are partnered with SeatGeek. save twenty dollars off your first order for live events concerts and sporting events and more all you have to do is just insert the promo code spotlight sports network to save today again
0: that spotlight sports network and save $20.
2: And all sports are wide. If you haven't heard, well, now you do. But Spotlight Sports Network is officially partnered with Fanatics. For all of our sport fans out there far and wide that are looking for gear to wrap up for your favorite team this year, you do not want to miss out on the opportunity. Go to fanatics.com, get yourselves geared up. Every major sport and every sport possible that you need to to get you geared up for your next sporting event or just watching the event from your own home. That's Fanatics so much. I do love shopping at Fanatics, by the way. They do come up clutch in a bunch of different areas, and um, I've actually gotten a couple of really, really good stuff uh, from Fanatics. So um, so since we kind of taken a little bit of that long break, but um, without further ado, So this will be a new segment that I have here uh, for college football, and I absolutely love it. Um, And so it's called Jake's Sweet Three. There's only three games that do come to mind when I look at college football because there's so much of them, right? But three games I'm focusing on this weekend. So today, this is going to be interesting because I'm seeing some that are going to be upset alerts or some that I think are going to be tough games, but they're going to pull it out because I've watched a bunch of different teams. And what I feel right now with some programs, first of all, I feel bad for Kansas. They lose Jalen Daniels for the rest of the year after a separated shoulder. Um, tough blowing loss for the for the Jayhawks. Um, I thought he was great. I thought he had a lot of great tangibles. I really do hope a best of recovery for him. Um, but yeah, that, that's a crushing blow. And unfortunately I think they're going to be demoted. I think they're going to be demoted out of the AP polls. Um, but there are a couple of teams that are on the rise. First of all, I am loving this matchup against Tennessee and Alabama. I will have that coming up. Um, and by the way, can we, can we all just agree that chip Kelly has really worked well with this UCLA team? Dorian Thompson, when I watched him last week against Utah, he was moving around up on the pocket and he was distributing the football to every single one of his components. And I thought it worked perfectly for the Bruins. So, all right. So without further ado, we are going to do the sweet three and here we go. Penn State at Michigan. So I've got Penn State. I'm going to do the cover on this one at plus seven. First of all, Michigan and John and Jim Harbaugh have been on a really, really good tear for the Michigan Wolverines, even though I still do feel that they are going to end up winning uh, against the Nitty Lions. uh, Penn State's been playing real good football lately as well. And some of them would think because the hardest matchups I thought was interesting. They went up against Iowa. They went up against Indiana and Michigan's offense looked really good. Now it is a young quarterback in JJ McCarthy, who I think really does work well with this Michigan offense, but they're going to get, they're going to have a handful against Penn state defense, which will be interesting. I do see Michigan winning this game and I'm going to take the points at seven, but I think Michigan is going to come away with a win, 38-28. That's the first of three here on the Sweet Three. Miami versus Virginia Tech. I'm going to take the Miami Hurricanes on the road against the Virginia Tech Hogies. First of all, Miami and Mario Cristobal, they have been looking tough. Miami is back, baby, like Mario Cristobal has really worked a lot of this program, and I have loved everything I've been seeing from the Hurricanes so far. The run game's been very tough. Defensively, they've been playing to a lot of their strengths. And Virginia Tech, by the way, there's been some games that they've actually have not given up on. And I think this is going to be a real good matchup, but I do see this being more of Miami dominating on the offensive side of the football and I think defensively is going to be too much to handle for Virginia Tech so I'm going to take Miami to win minus eight I will take the point 35-24 Miami wins this one clean and crisp Alabama at Tennessee I'm going to take the Tennessee Volunteers plus nine I know people are like Jake you are completely freaking nuts We're taking the Tennessee Volunteers against Alabama. Am I? Knoxville is going to be jam-packed to watching a potential upset against the Alabama Crimson Tide. First of all, Tennessee's offense, their quarterback, and with the way that they have played in the last few weeks, this program, you cannot go wrong at all. I think Tennessee is really just, like, they're going to give Alabama problems. By the way, Alabama's defense in the last two weeks, the last two matchups, they've kind of been a little shaky. Now, Bryce Young is back. Alabama is going to have a chance to get their offense going, but I kind of worry a little of Alabama's defense, especially on the road into Knoxville. I I think Tennessee might actually have an edge here. I think we may have an upset this week. I wonder what ECG is gonna gonna think when I say, I think Tennessee, this is the week that they're going to do it. So I'm gonna take the volunteers, plus nine. Winning at home in Knoxville, 40 to 31. Bryce Young does have a really good game, but I think the most costly is gonna be Alabama's defense when they can't even guard up against Tennessee's wide receivers and let alone spreading the football around for from their quarterback as well. So I, I, I truly think that the Volunteers are going to do it. All right, that's the sweet three, folks. So as I've said before, I, I like it. I think Penn State, they're not going to beat Michigan, but I do think they will cover at least at the plus seven. I do like Miami at minus eight against Virginia Tech. I think that's going to be a really, really good game to watch. Maybe one of those sneaky ones people never didn't even think about, but I think that's going to be fun. And then the upset alert, Tennessee against Alabama at plus nine. Um, it was at plus eight at one point. Um, but then they changed the points. So um, so again, I, I think this weekend is gonna be great. There were some games that were listed up on there, like um USC against Utah I'm staying away from that game because first of all um I love Lincoln Riley I really do and <clears throat> but my biggest thing is is could that be the week that Utah bounces back because they've been taking some hits they took a hit against UCLA which they spread the football around and Chip Kelly's been really working that offense and um they haven't really found like their niche yet like I love Utah but they have not found their niche in the last, the the since the last matchup and the matchup this weekend. So I'm a little bit concerned with Utah, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I think I still think that'll be a great matchup, USC against Utah. I, I do think that's gonna be a really, really good matchup all the way around. But again, people think I'm crazy about Tennessee. First of all, if you've watched Tennessee's last few games, they've distributed the football cleanly. And they're, uh, they've are they produced a bunch of really good offensive players. And their defense, low-key, even when they're at home, in their home crowd in Knoxville, that's going to be difficult for Alabama to go against. And I do love Bryce Young. I do love Nick Saban and Alabama as a whole. But these last two weeks, if you watch the defense for Alabama, it has not looked clean. There has been times where they have been beat at certain occasions. So that's why I'm a little bit concerned with how Alabama is really going to end up playing this. So, because I I mean, if if I'm looking at the rest of just this weekend slate, like here, here's what I have. I'm going to pull this up. But as I've said, I think Penn State, they're going to cover the points at seven, but Michigan will win that game. Um, I think so this, at least Oklahoma may be, if they lose to Kansas today, Brent Venables needs to be done out of Oklahoma, and somebody needs to get on the phone with Matt Rule because this this program just looks atrocious. They're not playing to their strengths. But again, if Oklahoma wins it, <clears throat> you know, they, <laughs> they better have, um, they better hope that they're getting a pass this weekend Against Kansas, knowing they lost their quarterback, Jalen Daniels. Um, Texas and Iowa State, I think, is gonna be very interesting as well. Um, oh, this was one I almost thought about going for, but I was a little bit skeptical was Oklahoma State and TCU. That's a really good matchup today. I do I I'm leaning more towards Oklahoma State covering the points because it's at minus five TCU. So I would pop prob- probably cover the points. Um NC State stayed in Syracuse. I think that'll be an interesting game. I think Syracuse, they might come up on top. Um, and then Mississippi State and Kentucky. So, but again, I've stayed away from the US- USC and Utah game. Utah is favored three and a half against USC. Against the number seven ranked USC. That's why I didn't want to, I didn't want to go with that one because I was like, I don't know if that's really truthful for Utah or if that's, you know, like I felt like that was a little bit of a trap bet. So I, I, I'm like, I like both those matchups. I'm probably going to watch it heavy today. um, But yeah, those are the three that I think are going to be very, really, really interesting. But I, I think the Oklahoma State and TCU game, if all doesn't go well, I think that's a game right there that I probably will keep my eyes on. What's going on, Richard? And what's going on, everybody here up in the chat? Greg and John, key in the building, is always in the building. Coach Dante and Freddie as well. Glad to have all of you guys here up on the show. You guys are, the, you guys are absolutely the, the movers and shakers that makes this network move. I appreciate every single one of you guys and the network all together as a whole. So I'm glad you guys were able to come up on. Um, yeah. I think this will be really interesting throughout this entire weekend. I can't wait for it. Um, We're going to be taking a little bit of another break, uh, but when we do come back, Prime Predictions is right up around the corner, so you guys do not want to end up missing out on that. So as I've said uh, before, Fanatics as... Fanatics. Proud partner with Spotlight Sports Network. You've got everything that you need to clear yourself up for this season for all of your up-and-coming teams. First of all, hockey is back, baby, and the Vegas Golden Knights are 2-0. I know everybody here that is living in Vegas, like I am, you're listening to my show, and you know how much I talk about the Golden Knights. They're on a tear so far. Postseason baseball is underway, and that's been exciting. The NFL hasn't been any better and it's been great and then you've got college football but there's so many other sports that you can also shop for and get yourselves geared up with fanatics they are a proud partner with spotlight sports network fanatics get yourselves geared up and show off your fandom with fanatics
0: On Roku, watch us 24 hours, seven days a week, around the clock on the new TRS60 Roku channel. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and the TRS60 app. The new TRS Roku channel, your round-the-clock sports and entertainment channel. If you miss any portion of the show, be sure to look out for the continuous replay broadcast on Roku. Don't forget to check out our website, therewindsports60.com. Lock it in.
2: folks well it's about that time again as we appreciate every one of you guys for jumping on here onto the show it's been a great one and we're here all weekend long and all week long on the spotlight sports network as you always know the network never sleeps and it never stops we're coming out with great shows every single day of the week to keep you the public entertained so I appreciate every single one of you guys for coming on here with me today. So, um my best for last as everybody knows. Prime predictions. We are exactly 500 through 5 weeks. 31 and 31. It has not been terrible. So, and I and so far I'm 1 and 0 this week after Taking the points with Washington after they won 12 to seven on a plus one. I loved the cover because first of all, like I said, Chicago's just having problems with the offense and they could not distribute the football. So I was happy already want to know in this win column this week. And let's just see if prime predictions week six is really working out for the snake sports talk show. And it's working out for the network as well. So with that being said, We've got Prime Predictions, here we go. Let's turn it up. It's Jake's Prime Predictions. About 49ers at Falcons. I'm gonna take the Atlanta Falcons plus five and a half. Do you not know that the Falcons this year, through five weeks, are five and oh against the spread? If you didn't know that now, well, it's a good time to know that now. Um, So, so far, the Falcons have been really, really good against the spread. And what that's telling you is is that Arthur Smith is really utilizing all of his offensive strengths. Now, they're doing this without Corbero Patterson. Now, Drake London has been a big hit for the Atlanta Falcons so far. And I've loved with how this offense has been distributing the football. They've looked really good. They've looked loose. And I think there's a real good bright future for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, against the San Francisco defense that has been really, really good in the last couple of weeks. I mean, they just grounded and pounded on Carolina last week. And Jimmy Garoppolo looks comfortable this time. Everybody that's been criticizing, how will Jimmy Garoppolo really handle with the Trey Lance situation? Well, he's handling it better than anybody else has. So I'm going to take the Falcons to cover and a half. And I'm going to go with a score of 27-21. 49ers win on the road. But again, Atlanta stays hot against the spread. Patriots at Browns. I'm going to take the uh, Cleveland Browns at minus three here. Um, First of all, New England, they, they walked away with a big win against Uh, Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions shutting them out 29-0 with Bailey Zappi as their quarterback. Now, do I think this will happen this week? I don't think so, because the hardest part is, is that you have to stop the run of Nick Chubb, and I don't think the Patriots have exactly that answer for that, even though I do like their defense, but offensively, They've been distributing the football a little differently. Now, I did like Bailey Zappi, but he's not the future. I think Mac Jones is clearly the future. But New England's probably going to have a tough time with this. Now, mind you, Jacoby Brissett knows this New England organization. He has worked under it. So there's going to be a bit where Jacoby is going to really move the football well, distribute it to a lot of his components. I think this will be a tight game, but I do like... The minus three portion of it. I'm gonna go with 24-20. Cleveland wins at home and defeats the Patriots. Jets said Packers. You know, I thought about this long and hard, and after watching the Packers' performance last week, I think it's clear to say Aaron Rodgers is struggling with this offensive, uh, with this offensive core, especially the wide receivers. I'm gonna take the New York Jets. At plus seven here. Listen, the Jets have been playing really good offense so far in the last couple of weeks. I love with what Zach Wilson has displayed so far on this Jets offense. And if you really think about it, Garrett Wilson, um, Elijah Moore, and Brees Hall and Michael Carter, they have been really good. I think this is the upset of the week. Jets go on the road to Green Bay. And by the way, where the hell has the defense been for the Packers? I have not seen this at all. And when they played the Giants, that was the most embarrassing play from Green Bay that I have seen. When I listened to Aaron Rodgers in his press conference, he seemed positive at home in Lambeau against the Jets. But I think this is going to be one that they're going to be soaring and crashing with an upset. I think the Jets are going to end up winning this plus seven. I'm taking it 27 20 Jets win in Lambeau. Jaguars at Colts. So I don't understand why that there's no love for the Jaguars at all in this game. Have you watched Indy play? And when was the last time the Colts ever beat the Jaguars at all in their matchups? I'm going to take Jacksonville at plus two and a half. I know the last two weeks were kind of rough for Trevor Lawrence. He's been fumbling the football, hasn't been able to get much control with the offense. But remember, this is a work-in-progress offense. And Doug Peterson, coming off of something like this, he's going to look better. And I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be bound for a really good game because Indianapolis, once again, for more straight weeks, they're without Shaq Leonard. They don't have their star linebacker. And the defense... They're trying to hold a lot of games, but they cannot do it by themselves. This offense has to distribute the football. But Matt Ryan looks old in the pocket. So it's a bottom tier wide receiver core. Colts don't even have enough of the firepower than what Jacksonville is be- is building themselves up to be. So I'm going to take the Jags to win and cover two and a half, 27-24. That is all the points I need. They're going to continue to extend the streak against the Colts. Vikings at Dolphins. So, I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings at minus three and a half. Uh, it is official that Miami is starting Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Both Teddy Bridgewater and Tua are out for this game with concussion protocols. Now, Teddy Bridgewater, Mike McDaniel did mention that if, in fact, he's ready to go, he's going to be on the bench. <clears throat> They're not going to throw him out in the game. They're going to see what they can get out of the young kid Skylar Thompson, but I just think Miami kind of took a big hit the second that my, uh, Tua went down with a concussion. Then Teddy Bridgewater went down with a concussion. So things have not literally looked good for Miami on the long stretch. But I do love their coach. I do love a lot of their offensive pieces. And I do like a lot of their personnel. But Minnesota, have you noticed their offense really moving the football? Dalvin Cook's been looking his best. Kirk Cousins has been looking his best outside of primetime. So It's not a primetime game, so I think this will be comfortable for Kirk Cousins. And the offense has really been working out for the Vikings, scoring up at least plus 20 each week. So I'm going to go with the Vikings, minus three and a half, 27-21 on the road in hot, sunny Miami, up in South Beach. Bengals at Saints. I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals, first of all. Um, Still no Jameis Winston up to this point. Um, I think they are still going to go with Taysom Hill. But Cincinnati's defense, it is tough. I do think they're going to figure out Taysom Hill at some point. But the Bengals, they've been rebounding themselves. It's been kind of hard, hardcore for them to start the season. But the Bengals' offense... Are starting to figure themselves out i do think this will be a tight game on both windows because of the fact of both offenses are trying to correct themselves but i do think joe burrow is going to lead the reins on the road in new orleans and i do think in that in that mercedes-benz dome they're going to be really good and i do think that the Bengals. They're going to come away with one offensive play that's going to be the biggest determining factor up into the game, especially with how tight it is because New Orleans' defense is really good. So you can't dismiss that. That's why I think it's going to be tight. I'll take the Bengals one and a half. 24-21 is my reasonable score here in this matchup. Ravens at Giants. Listen, I do like the Giants and I love Brian Dable, and I do love with what he's done so far. But the Ravens offense has been staggeringly great. They've been unbelievable. Lamar Jackson playing out of his mind. And by the way, he's been distributing the football in case if somebody forgot. He's been throwing the football really, really well to a lot of his peers, Rashad Bateman, Devin DuVernay. So they're throwing the football and they're moving the football with him and and J.K. Dobbins on the ground. But here's the tough part. Now, Baltimore's defense kind of took a little bit of a hit. But they've rebounded after losses. So, to me, I think Lamar Jackson's going to have a really good game. It's going to be a little tough for Brian Dable to establish the game plan against Baltimore's defense and Baltimore's team as a whole for Daniel Jones. I don't know if he might be able to handle it. That's going to be one I need to pay attention to, just seeing how Daniel Jones really works this. I'm going to take the Ravens to win, 28-21, to minus 5. Like it, I love it. Buccaneers at Steelers. I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here in this game at minus 8.5. Listen, nothing against... Kenny Pickett in the Pittsburgh offense because we know last week they came off of a drastic loss against the Bills and we know that that was the first start for Kenny Pickett in his young career so the the Kenny Pickett era has begun but he didn't look great I thought he looked really really good now I know a lot of people are kind of going with the dogs I know I've had a bunch of them this has been probably the year I've used a lot of dogs this year but I'm going to take the Buccaneers over up in this game because Tom Brady distributing the football to a lot of his offensive weapons. Now, it has been hard for Tampa Bay trying to get the offense to go downfield, but they're situational play. All right. They're a situational team. And Tom's going to do whatever it takes to ensure that the team secures the win. They're getting first down. They're getting much needed yardage per play. So I think Tampa Bay, and especially with Pittsburgh, they're a little banged up on defense, but they're still situationally good. I'm gonna take them to win 28-20. I think that's reasonable, and I think Kenny Pickett will get his first few touchdowns of his NFL career. I like it. 28-20, Tampa Bay wins and gets the and covers up the eight and a half. Panthers at Rams. I think the Rams got themselves a little bit of a hall pass here with this one because Carolina is just a mess. They're atrocious. First of all, Matt Rule has been fired this past week. Both Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are still out, so that means P.J. Walker is going to start at quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, so I'm taking the Rams at minus 10. First of all, the Rams need something. They know they're missing their offensive line pieces. Allen Robinson is playing like a ghost out there. He's nowhere to be found, and I think a lot of this is they need to kind of come back to the basics. And I think this is the perfect opportunity for the Rams to do that. So LA, we know they spent money on a lot of pieces, but offensively and defensively, it's looked a little different. They were kind of beat up against the San Francisco 49ers in their previous matchup. But I think the Rams will come back to themselves and they'll look a lot better against the Carolina Panthers. So no better week to do that. 33-17, minus 10. Rams win this one at home. Cardinals at Seahawks. I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know why people don't even think about this, but here's the problem with Arizona. First of all, their defense is all the way banged up. It does not look good. And Kyler Murray, he's had a lot of struggles. So what does this mean? Geno Smith's been having a great year so far, which I am surprised at Seattle with how that they've been playing. And I think two and a half seems reasonable because the defense looks atrocious on Arizona and they don't have a really good offensive line. Plus, Seattle, they don't look that great themselves, but offensively, they can distribute the football. So I think the offense is going to bail out the defense for the Seahawks. And I think they'll definitely improve. Arizona though they, they are clearly missing DeAndre Hopkins and they're missing a bunch of people but I do think the Seahawks will walk away with this one 24-21 close game plus two and a half you better give me that one I think that'll be a really really good matchup so I think the Seahawks will win at home Bills at Chiefs this is the game of the week folks that we are waiting to see the matchup of the century Bills at And Chiefs, Allen and Mahomes. I'm going with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills to win this game. Minus two and a half. First of all, Kansas City, they've been distributing the football an awful lot. They've been getting used to a lot of pieces, and they're so, so young. And I do think Kansas City, there has been times you can beat them over the top with their defense because they have nobody to cover over the top. What did Buffalo do most? They throw a lot of plays over the top. Josh Allen's going to be finding Gabriel Davis, and he's going to be finding Stephon Diggs. He's going to find a lot of different pieces, and I do think Buffalo situationally, they're going to be much better. I do think they're going to get their payback worth, especially a rematch of the playoffs from last year. Bills win this game, but I do think it's going to be a hell of a matchup of the century. Shootout time, 30-27. Buffalo wins in Arrowhead. Cowboys at Eagles. It was too hard to pass this up, but I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles at minus six and shut down the Cooper Rush talk once and for all. I do think that the Cowboys, they've been finding their success. It's been crazy. But I do think that the Philadelphia Eagles—they've been playing great football so far. They're five and zero, and here's the thing: they are a great first half team. I have yet to see them play very strong in the second half. Nothing against the Eagles, but <clears throat> they're the—they're cu- the kind that in the first half they're going to get physical. They're going to pile on you, and they're going to pound the football on the ground, and even throw a bunch of them over the top. And AJ Brown's been really, really good. So. <clears throat> I do think that Dallas, their defense has been playing really, really good. They've limited their teams, their opposing teams, to 20 points or less. So they've been really, really good. But I do think they're not going to have an answer against Philadelphia. In a division rivalry game, it's very difficult to predict that. But I do think Philadelphia is going to get all over Cooper Rush. They're going to shut down that whole talk for once and for all, knowing Dak Prescott is their quarterback. So I like this matchup 28 21. Eagles win this game. Minus six is all I need from there. Philadelphia with a massive win at home. Broncos at Chargers. Monday night game. And that's going to be an exciting one. Broncos at the Chargers in, L- in SoFi Stadium in LA. I'm going to take the Chargers. Here's the problem with Denver. They cannot move the football, and clearly Nathaniel Hackett cannot coach. This is the worst red zone offense that we have seen this year in a span of five weeks. It's clear that Russell Wilson has been having some trouble getting back to himself. He's not a pocket quarterback. He's not Drew Brees. So stop proving to yourself that you are Drew Brees. You're Russell Wilson for a reason. You've been in this league long enough. Run. Move the football. Mobile out of the pocket. He hasn't been able to find it. And the Chargers, by the way, last week was a -a dodge-a-bullet week. They are not going to have that happen again. So I do think the Chargers will walk away with a win and And my big thing is, is that the offense is going to be really good distributing the football. They were really good on the ground with Austin Eckler last week. So I do expect the Chargers to be really good on the ground and pound. And they're going to utilize a lot of what Justin Herbert does in the air as well. So I'm going to take the Chargers to win at home on Monday night minus 5, 27-20. They'll beat the Broncos, but I don't think the Broncos are going to figure themselves out, especially with red zone play. I just think that's going to be too much. For them. All right. All odds from there are provided by Superdraft Pro. For those of you that may not know, Superdraft Pro is the proud sponsor of Caesars Entertainment. So when you sign up now, make sure that Jake, you let them know Jake the Snake sent you. And you can download it on your mobile device through Google Play in the App Store or sign up online at superdraftpro.com. And they've got several different gameplays for you. They've got player props, you've got, um, your DFS, your daily fantasy games as well, week to week, every single day. Plus, they've also got a great sports book as well for you to place your bets, win money, win great prizes, and so much more. Get that with Superdraft Pro. Sign up like a pro, download like a pro, share with your friends, family, coworkers like a pro, and play like a pro with Superdraft Pro. Oh, boy, this has been a great episode. I, I, I really I really do like every single one of my picks, especially the sweet three. Um, and I do want to come back to um to Richard's post. So who do I got? Haney versus uh Cambosos Jr., Plant versus uh Durrell, Wilder against uh, Helenius, Shields against Marshall, Mayer against Baumgartner, Liverpool versus Man City, and Real Madrid against Barcelona. So I think because this is boxing, and it's also soccer. I do think Cambosos Jr. might come away with a win. I do like Plant, by the way. Um, I thought he had a solid matchup. The last time I seen him fight, I think Plant's going to come away with a win. As far as Deontay Wilder goes, um, I haven't seen so much of Hellenius. But I think Hellenius might come away with a win with Deontay, with Deontay Wilder. I, I just don't think he's really just as solid as people think he is. Um, I think Shields might might end up beating Marshalls, and I do think Baumgartner might beat Mayor. Um, and as far as for the two soccer games, um, it's hard to pass up Man City, but there's but those are two really 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 good soccer clubs. I think Man City might come away with the win, and I do think Real Madrid nothing against Barcelona, but Barcelona has not looked the same, so I think Real Madrid might come away. And by the way, that's my bucket list game to go to. If I'm ever in Spain, I want to go to that game because that is the most jam-packed um, traditional game there. Like you watch Yankees, Red Sox. You watch Dodgers, Giants. You watch like Cubs and White Sox battle of North and South. That game, I watched it back in college, like in my college days where I was watching a video about it, about how ridiculous, Ridiculously crazy Spain gets when Real Madrid and Barcelona play. It's nuts. The whole street corner gets so filled and the entire uh, the entire arena and the stadium gets packed. So I'm going to go with Real Madrid on this one. And there's my good friend Doug uh, there. I do want to close out with this. So first of all, out of all the picks that I've had, I do want to go back to the Eagles and the Cowboys. I know he's not going to like me talking a lot about the Cowboys, but he's a reasonable content creator. And I love him as a, as a Cowboys content creator because he knows it a lot more than I do. Okay. I can't figure out with the Cowboys situation, but I will end with this. Cooper rush has played real good football, but clearly this is Dak Prescott's team. It's hard to say with the Cowboys, because. If, if if you really if you really want to be honest this is the third time in Cowboys history that a scenario and situation like this has happened you can go back to when Troy Aikman was hurt and Steve Burline came in at a time um when Dallas really needed somebody to distribute the football and they had a great team they really did and people thought you know with Steve Burline being on a streak Um, they thought he was going to end up being that guy and he wasn't going to end up playing like he, he was and Troy Aikman, wasn't even going to end up getting any more snaps. So that was kind of like a little of that controversy from there, but you know, what's so funny that I think the greatest thing that Jimmy Johnson had said, and I listened to this up in a podcast, but, um the great thing that Jimmy Johnson said when Troy Aikman was seeing this happen and he was kind of feeling bitter, you know, he was kind of feeling a little embarrassed and he was like, like, I want to play like, you know, and he's recovering from an injury. He's not going to be 110% healthy. And what Jimmy Johnson said was, yeah, do you remember the time when we were six and five with you? We're still going to ride the streak. But the best thing of it is, is that Jimmy Johnson did not give up on Troy Aikman. And just because Steve Burline was there at quarterback, the Cowboys were winning games, period. Whether it was Burline or it was Troy Aikman. What about Tony Romo and Dak Prescott? We all remember how Tony Romo suffered the injury before the season started. And so they went ahead and they got their late-round pick, um, Dak Prescott, to go in at quarterback. And what did the Cowboys do? They leaned more into the run. Ezekiel Elliott... Um, they had Amari Cooper. They had a bunch of really good pieces, and they utilized every single one of the Cowboys' strengths. And right now, the defense is by far the best because they've been limiting a lot of their teams to twenty pl- uh, points or less, and they've been really good. And I and and Micah Parsons is clearly a hit for the Cowboys. But what was what was interesting about that is. Is that Tony Romo had that feeling that Dak Prescott was going to come in and he was going to end up taking that quarterback role? And however, but however, when Tony Romo got healthy, the Cowboys were generous enough to bring him back at the quarterback spot to seeing how that was going to match up. Because clearly the Cowboys wanted to be set as a complete team, whether it was Tony Romo or Dak Prescott, either one. But the Cowboys were winning games. And they got to as far as the divisional round. And by that point, that's where I kind of saw some potentials that were going there. Now look at the position right now with Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush. Third time this has happened. Cooper is riding this streak right now. He hasn't lost. And Dak Prescott got hurt. Broken hand. And one of the things that I will say is, is because when you look at the play design of the Cowboys, both Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush, they both kind of look similar. They're distributing the football to every one of their components. They're leaning into the run because you got Zeke, you got Tony Pollard. So they're using a lot of the strengths. You want to know what's interesting is nobody, Nobody throughout five weeks has been talking about the possibility of Mike McCarthy getting fired or Jerry Jones is just looking like an absolute madman. They're looking like geniuses. Well, what's crazy about it is, is that years ago, um, years ago, they, 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 Jerry Jones did not even end up speaking all, all of this out with Troy Aikman and the Steve Burline thing because Jimmy Johnson knew. Okay, Jimmy Johnson was the one who put all of his two cents into Troy Aikman. Okay, and that was that was the entire story, and then that's where they started winning championships as a team. You know, oh, he mentioned it here. The problem is that mistaken identity is slowly taking over. Credit is not falling into the right. No, th- it's true. That's why I say that with this Cooper Rush thing. I, I Cooper Rush is a good kid. Okay, he's a really good backup. And in this league right now, because of all the quarterbacks that have been getting hurt, that have been going into uh, concussion protocols, like, you kind of need a second and a third string quarterback. You really, really do. Look at Miami. They're already on their third string quarterback with Skyler Thompson because both Teddy Bridgewater and Tua are are hurt. So, um, listen, Cooper Rush is a good kid. But I think most of that was leaning into the team's strengths the run game, pass distribution and their defense. Like in the end, this is why I think this may be a good thing if Dallas lost this game. Here's why I say this. Okay, and this is not a this is not a, a diss to the Cowboys whatsoever. But what that means is is that if the Cowboys lose this game against Philadelphia, all right? And I'm going to bring him up, but I do want to I do want to speak my piece up on this, and I do want to ask my good friend, Douglas Brooks, if you haven't seen, he's got the biggest show on our network. That is called the Big Time Show, and he kicks it off with serious fire, and I love it. But here's the point I'm going to make real quick. If Dallas loses this game against Philadelphia this Sunday, the talks about Cooper Rush are going to be silenced. And people are gonna realize that, you know, the streak was good when it lasted. But this is Dak Prescott's team. Okay, Dak Prescott is the quarterback of the future for this franchise. What's hard about that is, is because Dak Prescott is a forty million dollar a year quarterback. It's so difficult to move off that. You can't do that. But if Dallas wins this week. <laughs> You know how uncomfortable Dak Prescott is gonna feel come Monday. And you know he's gonna make a phone call to Jerry Jones or Mike McCarthy, almost just as similar as Troy Aikman did with Steve Berline at the time. Okay? So that, that that's gonna be interesting. But I do wanna I do wanna pop him up here real quick. My good friend Douglas Brooks, who knows anything and all things. Dallas Cowboys, the best content creator I trust here. Between you and Law Nation, you guys bring the best content when it comes to the Cowboys. You guys have all the answers. I can't figure them out, respectfully. Like, I, I don't think anybody like in the NFL realm could figure out what are what are the Dallas Cowboys. But they have been winning games. They've been winning games while it's been lasting. And I love the defense. I think that has been the identity for the Cowboys so far in five. Weeks, but I need your I need your personal opinion because this is the third time in history the Cowboys have been dealing with a scenario like this. Like I'm not going to count the Drew Bledsoe and Tony Romo thing because I think that was kind of a long time coming. But Troy Aikman got hurt, in comes Steve Berline, and they had a streak. Tony Romo gets hurt, in comes Dak Prescott, and now he's the next big thing. And here now is happening with Dak Prescott, and he's having a little of a Tony Romo moment. With this Cooper Rush thing, so what is the headline going to be come Monday morning? Well, first of all,
1: <laughs> whenever I come in, the crowd goes wild. That's the first thing. I'm in the house. What's going on? The one and only Jake the Snake, who's um, one of the baddest guys, most knowledgeable people that uh, that I've ever heard. To be honest with you, I mean. His range in sports is just, I mean, do you know how m- how long it takes to get all that stuff in your head? I mean, you go from <laughs> synchronized swimming to boxing to uh rowing and then go to hockey. And then, I mean, <laughs> my God, is there anything that he don't cover? Uh, but I know you've been on a long time, so I'll answer your question. Mm-hmm. Um It's not... It's, is is you see, last week we beat a team that most people didn't think we were going to win mm-hmm. and rush gets a lot of credit, but mm-hmm. at the same time, we got to start going into how he wins. He only threw for 101 yards. Right. But if you listen to people, it's like the 100 yards is like it's 400 yards mm-hmm. and that's not the case the mistaken identity part that I just put in your chat is let's give credit where credit is due. That is Mm -hmm. to two people as well. We'll go three. Uh, We got to give credit to the Jones family in specific because they knew what we didn't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, They trusted. That's the key word. They trusted. That's all I'm going to give them. Um, The other one is killing more because he's doing something that he does not like to do, and that is run the football. Mm-hmm. It's really just that simple. Uh, the Washington game is a prime example. I think we had 28 carries for only 48 yards. that's Pollard and Ezekiel combined. Mm-hmm. But it was the commitment to the running game that, that opened everything up as far as giving you defense rest giving your defense the chance to be stay fresh and all that kind of stuff. Then, of course, the last and certainly not least, number three, is this defense who has played lights-out football who cannot afford a bad day. They cannot afford a bad day. Those are the three. Now, Rush, if you was asking me, I would go Rush as number four. Mm -hmm. But you are right with the transition, if you want to say that. Uh, And Dak Prescott was the recent one because he was doing some of the similar things that Cooper Rush does. The only difference is that Romo was out for 11 weeks. Mm -hmm. And then Dak ran off about 10 10 wins in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't take him out. This is a little bit different only because of the five. The one thing Cooper Rush does have, Snake, and to your viewers, is that Dak usually, unfortunately mm-hmm. for him, we don't win games like last Sunday. Mm-hmm. Cooper Rush did, if you want to get, but I'm, I'm I'm, just saying he managed the game so well, Dak Prescott will throw for 350 yards but still will lose. Mm-hmm. The big games, per se. The yeah. big games, you know, long we playing NFC East, that win. But the big games is the games that we usually lose. But the the headline will be, uh, that's all depending on what Rush does, how he does it. See, if Rush throw for one hundred and fifty yards, but the defense hold Philly to to fourteen points. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't. I mean, you can't give him the the lion's share of the credit. you got to give his defense the credit. Now, now we'll, we'll do Rush well, to be honest with you, if you want some real controversy, Snake, is if the Cowboys score 28 points and mm-hmm. Rush has two or three touchdowns and he put up 28 points and we beat Philly in there, then look out. Here we mm-hmm. go. Uh, but if we're doing like we did last week, I don't think it's not, uh, nowhere near the controversy that a lot of people will have. You're not sitting a 40 million dollar quarterback on the bench, it's just not gonna happen.
2: Oh, it's no, just- that that that's that is too heavy of a bankroll yeah. to, to even do that. And but yeah. here's what's funny though is that so far, the Cowboys against playoff teams that this year. They're two and one, and they're going into this week with another playoff team who happens to be their division rival. And a team that we
1: own, too. I mean,
2: (laughs) but but here's what's crazy is that I'm watching Philadelphia now, and I think this kind of proves a point. I have yet to see them play in the second half. They've been a great first half team because they're they're the kind that. They play physical, they pile on, and Jalen Hurts, in a way, year after year, he's progressing. Like, he's gotten thicker. He's also somebody that's been throwing the football efficiently. I think part of that is is that that, um, Nick Sirianni does trust a lot of his components, especially um, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator, the the, the play caller from there. Um, I think that might be a difficult... scenario, because knowing that, first of all, Micah Parsons is an absolute hit after the draft. He's just he's a different breed. And then Trayvon Diggs, by the way, he's looked a lot better than what we saw early on. I was a little concerned, but he looked better. Um, You know, if there was a game plan against Philadelphia, what would that game plan be? My thought is you got to force them to play harder in the second half. That are you would be talking my
1: offensively guess. or defensively.
2: I think either one. Because I think one. offense, I think offensively, the cowboys are understanding their identity. Like you said, no, they're no, doing I'm the saying, same you, thing. Yeah.
1: I was saying that if, if you want me to game plan against Philly, mm-hmm. that's what I was talking about. Offensively, mm-hmm. you're saying both. Yeah. Offensively, I want Jalen Hurts throwing the ball. It's crazy that may sound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean he, he's hot right now, but the mm-hmm. one thing we know he does incredibly well mm-hmm. is running the ball. Mm-hmm. So, number one, we have to find a way to stop the run, which we are not good at. We are not good at it. We rank in the lower parts of the of the league mm-hmm. against the run. That's not good because Philly is probably the best rushing team
0: mm-hmm. in
1: the league. So that's obvious what has to happen. Uh, we're going to have to kind of come out of our defense a little bit because mm-hmm. we're going to have to spy Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. uh This week, no question about that. Defensively, I think we're getting ready to, to run into the same problem that we had against Washington. Their defensive line is better mm-hmm. because they added Jordan Davis. Yep. Now you got Fletcher Cox. Now you got Jordan Davis. Now you got Graham.
0: I mean,
2: you, and Hassan Reddick. You know the Hassan, edge rusher. I mean,
1: exactly. You you got a formidable front four. Mm-hmm. That. You're going to have to move. If not, we're going to have this 20-carry, 38-yard game, and then that puts the ball in the hands of Cooper Rush. And I personally, you know, I, I don't want him throwing 30-plus times a game. Hmm. So the running game has to
2: be right. It's just no, It just has to be right. So could that – this is why I said before, because I think the interesting part is that – that if Philadelphia wins this game on Sunday, I think the talks of Cooper Rush and the streak that has been lasting, I think yeah. the talks of that get silenced, and I think people then understand that Dak Prescott is their quarterback of the future.
1: It is, but, if, but it's not fair, though, Jake.
2: Oh, no, you yeah, no, I understand. agree. I, I completely it's not fair
1: agree. to Cooper Rush because mm-hmm. Cooper Rush did beat the world champions, mm-hmm. and he beat the AFC champions.
2: Oh, no, no, I completely agree. And here's what's interesting about, like, look at Miami right now. Miami is down both their quarterbacks, and they're starting Skylar Thompson this week. And so it's like in this league, you kind of have to have a second and third stringer quarterback because if they get hurt this easily, you got to have somebody that's going to come in and keep the team consistent, at least the entirety of the team. I don't expect a quarterback to be, you know, a Dak Prescott or a a Patrick. I don't expect them to be an over-the-top quarterback. I expect them to distribute the football as well. Now, I do say I think the tough matchup, maybe something left behind is that Philadelphia secondary because I think that's going to be a tough challenge for C.D. Lamb and finally for Michael Gallup. But could this be a week we might actually see Dalton Schultz show up a little bit?
1: I don't think he's right, Jake. Um, he he's he's not right. He he's trying to be a mm-hmm. hero, which you can't blame kids for trying to um, play through injury. Mm-hmm. But he is he he is nowhere near right. That gigantic brace he had on his leg last week he couldn't even hardly move in it. And mm-hmm. then he got nipped up a little bit more, where he had to come out the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so you know we don't need especially tomorrow night we don't need a sixty percent Dalton shoot. That's not going to help us. We need to go and let the kids, Jake Ferguson and Hendershot, go on, you know, go and let them play and try. And we got, uh, let me see, the Lions and the Bears after this week, and then we have the bye week. So you need to let Dalton Shoes just let him rest up and get him ready after the bye week uh, to play ball after that. That's just my opinion. Uh, But he's trying to be a hero because it's his last year's contract. He's on the franchise tag. Uh, he wants to get paid, and he does not have any numbers really right now. And uh, Dak being out has hurt him uh, mm-hmm. more than anybody. Uh, so uh, I, I I think if I think you probably need to substitute the names with Dalton maybe for Jake Ferguson or yeah, him. Yeah. That's just me.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, you're right. I mean, with the schedule, I think this is a really good recovery time too for the Dallas Cowboys. Knowing you got Detroit. Which, regardless if they've got the best scoring offense, their defense is atrocious, yeah. which is an opportunity for them to take advantage of. And you got Chicago, who just can't figure out offense. Yeah. I mean, I and I said it before. I love their offense. I, I love their head coach, and I do love their offensive coordinator. But for God's sake,s you got to give Justin Fields a, an offense. Yeah. But I think that'll be perfect. And at the and, and at that point, leading up to Week Nine, because afterward, you got back to back NFC North matchups between yeah. the, the Packers and the Vikings. So, so I think okay. that'll be yeah, I think that'll be great recovery time.
0: Yeah.
2: Um so b- before we we wrap this up, what is your personal thought so far of Mike McCarthy? Because since this streak, nobody has even talked about. I haven't heard headliners of Mike McCarthy possibly on the hot seat. Like we I I thought the prediction was is that when we saw how McCarthy handled this team, you're coming off of a, a, a year where the Cowboys made it into the playoffs. Questionable about the one play against San Francisco, but we haven't heard anything as far as could he be on the hot seat? Could they be looking for the next big thing? I think him and and they're looking at Jerry Jones as looking like geniuses because of the fact that they're riding this streak. So what is your opinion on that on Mike McCarthy?
1: Winning cures everything.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: that's the first answer however um, remember what Jerry Jones said at the beginning of the year we have to win big this year Mm -hmm. so winning in the regular season that's not going to cut it winning the NFC East that's not going to cut it Uh, we're talking about he's talking about winning a few playoff games and no excuses Uh, even Dak being down <clears throat> because now the narrative have changed like okay if we're doing this well with Cooper Rush when that come back look out I mean we supposed to the offense is supposed to pick up and if the mm-hmm. defense stays the same we're supposed to rip people apart to be honest with you mm-hmm. so that expectation now has raised since Cooper Rush has set the standard mm-hmm. that's the first thing mm-hmm. second thing the Jones family are splash guys um uh, And Sean Payton is sitting out there. I ain't got to say nothing else about that. (laughs) I don't have to say anything else about that. And Sean has made it very clear that he, if you listen to uh, Colin Coward, he wants to come back next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, So look out. But you got one major wild card, and and this is going to grow as the year goes by, and that is Dan Quinn. Yeah. Now, the problem is, is that you see how well this defense is playing, and you know it's only going to get better. Mm -hmm. And you know that every team at the end of this year will be knocking at his door to try to make them the head coach.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It happened last year. Jerry Jones paid him some more money. We don't know how much. He paid him some more money to keep him here. Mm -hmm. Well, it's going to be kind of hard for him to turn it down next year because every team is going to make him probably their number one. Uh, You know, if not number one, he's going to be definitely top two. The Mm -hmm. question now becomes, and we've heard Michael Parsons say, that he wants him to stay, and wherever he goes, that's where he goes. Michael Parsons has said that. So now we know that Michael Parsons' contract in a few more years is coming up, and we already know that that's going to be a big one. Uh, no oh, question yeah. Not. So the question now becomes, is it really Sean Payton if Mike McCarthy does not win, or does it become Dan Quinn as the head coach? That's my uh, opinion. But to answer your real question, Mike McCarthy has won, other than the year the Dak lost, we lost him for the year. I mean, we're talking about a man who won 12 games last year. That, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he deserves a lot of credit. We're talking about the coaching job that he has done so far mm-hmm. with a bag with a bag up quarterback and, and a top notch defense. I mean, this man, you know, you know, if you're gonna blame him for the losses, you gotta blank give him credit for the wins. He does, he he's four and one. Nobody expected the Cowboys to be Mm 4-1. Everybody by now said the season would be over when Dak went down. You got to give this man credit. So uh, he's doing an outstanding job as of now, but now is not what's going to keep his job. Mm -hmm. We're talking about December, January now. That's what's going to if the Cowboys win and then be one and done, uh, I don't know if he's gonna make it and 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 as the weeks go by and this defense just keeps escalating, escalating, escalating,
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: gonna be hard to keep Dan Quinn in Dallas and and I don't think Jerry wants to let him go because he sees how the team responds to Dan Quinn. So I think Dan Quinn really is the wild card that has really stirred the pot and plus this, uh, when it comes to, for those that think that Sean Payton is the guy, well, to get Sean Payton, you got to trade because the Saints have draft rights. Yep. Then Sean Payton just don't come for free. Sean Payton going to want some power. Right. Jerry Jones does not like to give up power.
2: Oh, yeah. You know what <laughs> so what yep. Sean Payton
1: is coming for, he may not, Jerry don't want to give up. That means probably per, player personnel decisions, Final say, all that kind of stuff. The stuff he had in New Orleans, right? But Jerry, Jerry is not giving that up. So, I, I don't really believe that Sean Payton is really he's just not coming here to coach per se. He's gonna want something, and I don't think that Jerry's willing to give that up. So, that's why I say Dan Quinn really is a real issue. That's my thoughts.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I. Totally agree with you on that, and it, it, I, and these takes that you're putting out are just excellent, man. That's why it, that's why the big time show makes such big hits.
1: Well,
2: the crowd says it all. That's why yeah, I'm like, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah you come with me everywhere I go.
2: <laughs> Hell yeah! And, and here's what's funny about this, and and it's so funny you bring up the point about Dan Quinn because. You're right. Th- this may not be the Legion of Boom that we're seeing on this defense, but it's almost imitating somewhat similar to what the Legion of Boom, what their schematics were looking like. Micah Parsons is just a hybrid player who's just everywhere. And I've noticed the secondaries have been playing harder. I've been pushing like for the last few years to seeing what the secondaries of the Cowboys are going to do because i I've seen them go secondary after secondary after secondary, especially Morris Claiborne, um, Brandon Carr. Like every time I'm like, these are quality guys. And then now that I see this, this is looking a lot better and a lot more promising on that defense. But I think you're absolutely right because if I had to look at the defense, like from that whole depth chart, because first of all, I'm not paying DeMarcus Lawrence a fortune. I'm not paying Leighton Van Der Esch a fortune. I would be putting my chips in on Micah Parsons knowing that he's the one that, as long as he gets to the quarterback, and as long as he makes the opposing offenses so uncomfortable that they don't even want to be anywhere near his field division, then that's where I'm putting my two chips in. And I know Trayvon Diggs is good, and sometimes he kind of gives me a little of a concern at times, but he's good. And I would pay him a, a reasonable amount for him to be there because I know that he's getting the INTs. He's getting exactly those coverages. Um, but you're absolutely right about Dan Quinn. But I think what's crazy about that is, is I and I do remember that Dan Quinn, since his tenure in Atlanta, he didn't want to end up taking the head coaching role, but you could be right about something. That it, might cha- it might change something a little there. Um, it
1: changes everything.
2: Oh, no, it's true. And it really does. and Sean Payton, this is why that I said either the Cowboys or the Chargers would be in the hot seats to getting Sean Payton, because first of all, you're looking at the Chargers defensive coordinating coaches. Okay, They're, they pull. I said this earlier, defensive coaches, Ron Rivera, Brandon Staley, Sean McDermott, um, Matt Eberflus and um, and a couple of others also as well they have a tendency with defensive-minded coaches to pull the reins back a little bit. Like, it's just a natural effect. Like, you want to see the best of the offense, but this is why you got to have the right offensive coordinators because if they're not building the play design, then you're not going to get the best out of the quarterback. That's why earlier I said, I think Matt Eberflus is a really good head coach. I think Chicago found their guy. Um, Luke Getze is a really good offensive coordinator because you could see him opening the play design for justin fields but justin fields doesn't have an offense the giant so i coach, the giants brian real. dable yeah he's even though daniel jones in my opinion he's a b quarterback but you're utilizing everything of what daniel jones can do what he can't do and mm-hmm. and can we say saquon barkley is finally having himself a year if he, how stays long healthy. has that been? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah he stays here, he's a difference maker.
2: No yeah. And so when I looked at uh, earlier, when I started talking about the Ron Rivera calling out Carson Wentz thing, listen, I, th- the league for whatever reason, and fans like, there's just no love for Carson Wentz. And I said, it. I'm like, look around the league. If you had the decision between Jared Goff, Carson Wentz and Jimmy Garoppolo, you really think it's that easy to move off those quarterbacks? Detroit has the best offense right now in the league. They may have an atrocious defense, but they're cleaning some stuff up. It's hard to move away from that. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, how's that thing working? Trey Lance got hurt, and now he's out for the season. But Jimmy Garoppolo's in, and they all thought, well, they're not letting him do the playbook. But last week, I saw him, and they were pouncing on Carolina last week. And so, to me, like Carson Wentz is probably the best thing that you can get. Right now, because next year we got Bryce Young, we've got C.J. Stroud, and we got Caleb Williams and a couple of other really good quarterbacks. They're not, it's they're, not they're that easy. Not,
1: yeah, Carlson no. Wins is, is still one of the top thirty-two guys in the world that can do this.
2: Yeah, and and personally, and, and he's he's, like, a,
1: he's not at the bottom of it either.
2: Let me throw. Yeah, personally, in. he's a top fifteen, close hey, to a top twenty quarterback. And person. what people don't like what people kind of brush off so easily, which really ticks me off. The 2017 MVP caliper year. Okay, people forget he was on a tear. Yes, he had Doug Peterson, former quarterback, offensive coach, Frank Wright, offensive coordinator, now head coach in, in Indianapolis. Um they moved the offense, and the offense and it that Super Bowl win was a team win. It was not a specific person at quarterback. So this Nick Foles thing was so just asinine, and I was you, like, I, I'm not having any part I've of that. And
1: I've always said this about Jake. I hate to break you back there, but I've always said this about Carson Wentz. The only thing that is wrong with Carson Wentz is he stay injured.
2: It yeah, and he's reckless.
1: Rhythm. Yeah, he, it breaks his rhythm. That 2017 mm-hmm. year that you were talking about, he stayed healthy mm-hmm. to the end. Yeah. And you saw what he can do once he gets in a, in somewhat of a rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a rhythm type quarterback. Uh, right. You can't, he can't go away for five, six weeks, and then come back, and then you think he's gonna pick right back up, MVP wise. That's just not him. Uh, he's not built that way. Uh, yeah. but Quince is one of the best. Uh, Thirty-two teams. Trust me, there's half of the league that will take him now. Uh, and and if you was to switch out with him right now, so uh, he just got a bad rep. You know, but he's not the upper echelon of the right?
2: League. And, and but he's he's, but he's
1: not the bottom either.
2: You right? He's giving you what he's giving you what yeah. you would need in a quarterback. He, he, and this he, is what's funny. And here's what's funny. How do how do you think that's working out in Indianapolis with exactly. a bottom tier wide receiver class outside of Michael Pittman? Last year he went 27 touchdowns and seven picks. How's yeah. that working out with Matt Ryan? It yeah. looks like he literally went from Matty Ice to just completely burnt yeah. he looks old yeah. and i'm like yeah and and jim ursay wants to come out and say carson Wentz was the problem I, no. I don't think so washington i think i love ron rivera okay i i loved him as a as a defensive-minded coach because he does shape the defense really good mm-hmm. but this team needs to pivot to offense then the reason of that is first of all you got jahan dotson a young kid from penn state who's a promising wide receiver. Terry McLaurin, you just extended. And they got a trio now of running backs with Brian Robinson, J.D. McKissick, and Antonio Gibson. And all they need is to fix a little of that offensive line because I I personally think they're hurting a little more after losing Brandon Scherf to Jacksonville. I think they're hurting a little bit. And the defense, defense looks good. You could make a couple upgrades, but I don't think all of that is all up on Washington. I know the bad rap is the Dan Snyder thing. And that's why I, I, I'm kind of like, I feel for Washington and I feel for Carson Wentz, but this stuff about throwing him under the bus has just got to stop. Like it, yeah. it, I'm like, if you look at any other quarterbacks, uh, like around the league, first of all, he's better. He's honestly better than Geno Smith and drew and drew lock. Okay. Like we're, we're going to be honest about that. Like Gino is riding the train
0: right yeah, now but, games, but
2: yeah.
1: overall he's not better than constantly
2: right and then you also look at daniel jones which yes daniel. the giants are winning but that's more of they they found their head coach yeah. they found the guy and imagine that if he ended up going to the giants that yeah. would be an interesting offense and they would have to change wide receivers yeah. um because first of all kenny galladay is just not working horrible yeah and horrible. so that's why i'm like Think about the quarterbacks you've got. Now you can go out and get a quarterback, groom him up for when the, uh, the play scheme seems to be working. Cause I can see Detroit doing this because if you're getting the best of Jared Goff right now, you can go and get maybe a Bryce young groom him up until you're ready to pass the torch on, um, to Bryce young and take over the offense. Cause they got a, they got a really good offense. This is probably the best offense we've ever seen ever in Detroit history. Like yeah. outside of Barry Sanders and um <laughs> and a, and Megatron and 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 Matt Stafford, that's, that's the where, best looking that, offense. That's
1: where it would get interesting, Jake. And I know we're going kind of going all over the place, but it's just it's just good common sense talking. I'm gonna <laughs> throw a monkey wrench in there. <clears throat> I believe Detroit believes in Jared Goff to not draft Bryce Young. I believe yeah, maybe so. Would go, I believe they will go maybe somewhere. Uh probably Will Anderson is probably the best defensive player in the draft. Mm-hmm. If you believe in your quarterback and you why would you spend a number one pick on a guy that's probably right not going to play for you know unless golf get hurt? Uh but if if you know if he stays healthy, he's he's not playing, you know, two or three years. Uh mm-hmm. be honest with you, I would go defense, uh, since they have the worst defense in the league or whatever, or they're yes. atrocious as you say it. Go get Will Anderson to the side along with uh my guy from Michigan on the other yep, side. Aiden Hutchinson.
2: Hutchinson. Oh I yeah. I mean,
1: good Lord. I mean, hello, somebody. it's gonna be tough. So that when we start talking about the lower tier teams, yeah. Um, you know, Washington is going to get better as crazy as it may sound. Mm-hmm. Because when Chase Young comes back, now you complete that front four. And, and gonna, I
2: got Montez Sweat and Jonathan and like, Allen right on, there. John Bostick's back. Like they're, they're
1: gonna win some games. You see yeah. what I'm saying? They're gonna cause mm-hmm. problems. So you know, even if Washington had the number one pick, which I seriously doubt they would, mm-hmm. would they go Bryce Young? You See what I, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, you see what so I'm saying, yeah. You know, Bryce is good and he's hiding trophy winner you know, and all that kind of stuff, but uh number one overall draft pick. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you know, if Detroit stayed like they are. You know, I believe they'll go defense and, you know, you just go down the list, you know, go, you know, Jacksonville.
2: Okay. Come mm-hmm. on. They're
1: not going offense. They're not drafting a quarterback.
2: You know oh, doing? yeah. No, I, I think you they definitely saying? found their quarterback for you see sure. What I'm
1: saying? So, mm-hmm. you know, it's really all going to, you know, shake out as, as the year goes by and all that. But, and, Jake, and I got to ready because I have to coach a football game myself <laughs> here in Memphis, my son. And I got to go ahead and get ready for that. But, man, look, when you, you and I are going to have to do this again.
2: Uh, yep. Uh,
1: you, you talk with a lot of sense, so I, I can deal with people like you.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, man. I appreciate I you appreciate jumping up you. on here. It's a great pleasure. And, yes, we will definitely have you back up on the show. And, yes, we'll definitely collaborate again soon.
1: And see y'all and whoever watching. Hey, 3 o'clock, the big time show. Just follow it. Um, YouTube. YouTube. Uh, Facebook. I'll be on at three o'clock to talk about these Eagles and these Eagle fans. Y'all get ready.
2: Here I come. (laughs) There you go. Appreciate you, bro. It's big (laughs) timing. Sir. Big time show right there. That is where you can find him here on the Spotlight Sports Network. Douglas. Oh yeah. Doug Brooks. Absolutely love the guy. Anyway, that's going to wrap up our time. I know we kind of pushed it up a little bit longer, but as I've said before, folks, you can like us on Facebook.
0: Twitter, Instagram,
2: Twitter, Twitter, up to date with future and past shows on the Snake Sports Talk Show and the Spotlight Sports Network. I got to go. I got a long weekend, but have a great weekend and we will be back for the next episode of the Snake Sports on the show. Live from Las Vegas, the Snake Sports Talk Show with Jake Silva starts right now.